0: Right, thank you very much. Cole Anthony. You did it again. What is it. about what is it about you at the end of a basketball game. My friend. I do this man. I do this. I do this. I was bred for this. I, I, I ain't the type to go. Hot. Oh. <laughs> that's great. Well if you're going to do that if you're going to hit the game winner that's what you got coming your way. We got wet headsets, we got happy teammates. Hey, hey, if you're going if, if you're going if you're going to do that, if you're going to make game winners, they're going to do that to you. That's I, what I'm happens. I'm just
1: I'm scared to walk into the locker room cuz I feel like they're going to do coming. something dangerous. But um yeah, I just I, I do this. I live for these end of the moments in games. It's it's, it's, the, it's crunch time. What I said two days, two games ago. That's my time. I want to get that showing for my team. So just had to go get it done and just big shout out to everybody on the, on the magic, man. We came and we fought today. We're down 15 coming in the halftime, man. Dudes did not give up. I love this team, man. Love this city. Let's
0: go. Amen at the end of the Minnesota game you said let the ball come to me because I know I'm going to make it was that the same feeling tonight Colts? yeah
1: yeah yeah
0: come on <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, then, well, then take us into the huddle what happened what was the play and was that exactly what was drawn up well man yeah we had
1: a few plays out, I and mean, we had played drawn up before that if the ball had come to us when uh, they was reviewing that joint and I was I, I was honestly in my head like I just really just want to ISO not even gonna lie to you I wanted to ISO I just knew if I got someone on the island it wasn't gonna be safe. That, that's that's for real. What I knew was happening, but that, that was the play we drew up. Came off that. Seeing I had my seen I had uh, uh, Kyle Anderson on me, I was like, yeah, it's game time. I'm trying to get this money.
0: I want to know about a couple of your teammates. Mo Wagner. Take us through Mo and the game that he had for you here tonight, Cole.
1: Hey, I ain't gonna lie. When Mo first got here, I was like, yo, who is this? <laughs> Now I'm telling everybody, yo, I love this dude. I love this dude. Happy he's here, man. That was a great pickup. Shout out to Jeff, John. Yeah, that was. A, but he he came ready to play today. Hit some really big shots, and if it wasn't him. We wouldn't be in that game.
0: Oh, and then R.J. Hampton stepped up and made a big shot for you too, right? You and R.J. How, how about that combination? He was big tonight too.
1: Man, I'm. Thanks, Denver. Thanks, Denver. <laughs> Appreciate y'all, man. That was a. Thanks, Denver.
2: Oh shit! It's May, May 3rd, Monday. Episode 57 of the Hesi brought to you by basketballgods.net. That was young Cole Anthony for the Orlando Magic after he hit a step back three for game against the Memphis Grizzlies Saturday night. Now, Cole Anthony was actually the first kid of this draft class that I scouted last year because one, I, you know, I knew who his father was in Greg Anthony, and then there was a lot of kind of social media hype around Cole Anthony going into North Carolina I actually scouted him before he was out with the knee surgery and it was really just an awful Carolina team there was no spacing they were asking him to do a whole lot more than really they should at that point as a freshman and uh one of my takeaways though I have a, a scouting report on him you can go check my Patreon I got the receipts but who I compared him to was Damian Lillard now obviously that's a very high ceiling I'm not saying he's going to become Damian Lillard but I felt like he carried himself in a very similar fashion. He was fearless, a little bit chippy, and he loved the pull-ups, right? And you can see clearly he wants the big shots and the big moments. And I saw that at Carolina. He just wasn't executing it. He didn't have enough spacing, health, or opportunities to take big shots because they weren't that good. And so Orlando... You know, this, this is what happens at the end of the year. You get these teams that love to play spoiler and they steal one from Memphis. Obviously, a very important game for Memphis, right? But you know what the funny thing is about this rookie class? They are giving some of the greatest interviews of all time between Cole, Ant-Man, LaMelo, right? All of these kids. And I think it really speaks to this generation of player and kid growing up on social media. You see, they stick a camera in their face, and it's as if they're just like talking to their boy on FaceTime. They're so comfortable with it. They're so candid, and that's where we're getting these genuine, hilarious interviews from these kids. So Cole Anthony, 26 points, the game winner. Look, I don't know. I don't think he's going to ever be efficient enough and good enough to be handed the keys like Dame is, but he could be kind of like a bench version of Dame, maybe a third guard, a microwave scorer. He has that mentality. He's not built quite as strong as Dame, but he's athletic. He's got that pop. Friday night, I had talked about it, the Suns-Jazz game for first place in all of the land. No Mike Conley, no Donovan Mitchell. And so the Suns just rolled him over. And now they sit tied in first place with this Utah Jazz team, you know, for these final two weeks, man. Here's the thing for Utah— Donovan Mitchell, they've ruled him out another week. This with that, remember that ankle sprain that looked like it was the end of his season. So if he can come back, that's great, right? But they're they're kind of just slow trickling out his his update status week to week. And meanwhile, Mike Conley has got a bad hamstring, man. Uh, you know, needless to say how important that is for a a quick little guard that over the age of 30, like that's problematic. And, you know, I, I, I I'd love to say, I hate to say it, but I don't. I'm just gonna say it. I think the Jazz are finished this year. Now, obviously, they're going to be in the playoffs, right? They may even finish in first place depending on how this shakes out. And they've had a great year. I think at full strength, I believed them to be a legit contender. But the timing of these injuries has just been way too devastating. They may come back, but we all know a hamstring, a severe ankle sprain. We're going to talk more about those later, right? But um they're not just something you just come back and get right back on the horse and in your 100 right and so for them to come back at this moment in this time it's just a tough shake for the jazz and it looks like the suns are going to secure that that number one seed (laughs) lebron returns friday night and they've lost both of their games in lebron's return friday night it was the king's ben mclemore revenge game (laughs) uh Real quick though, I loved seeing Marvin Bagley out there. I'm still rooting for the kid, man. And it was I was like, oh, Bagley's playing? Oh, hold on. Let me let me let me let me stop here and watch this for a little bit. But honestly, it was Tyrese Halliburton who was low-key controlling the game. He's been playing so well, man. Um, so down the stretch, Anthony Davis, I think he had like five or six blocks in the game, but he baited. Was it Halliburton? I can't remember who it was. He he baited he baited somebody into a floater, and he just sent that shit flying. And it was a, a shot that really would have it would have made it a two possession game. So it's Lakers ball, about ten seconds to go, and LeBron settles for a deep three. Clank, Kings win. I don't know, everybody said it. Oh well, LeBron settled. And You're like, well, and I'm thinking to myself at this point, man, he's got to be smarter than that. He's got to make the referees blow the whistle, right? But maybe it spoke more about his health at this point. After the game, LeBron, he goes, look, man, I'm never going to be back 100%. I'll never be 100% on this ankle. And I'm like, shut up, man. Come on now, Bron. Like, I understand, you know, you get older and you want to play coy. But I mean, maybe this season, right? Maybe his ankle, I believe that his ankle would never be 100% this season. It does take some time. But ever? I thought that that was a reach. Now you fast forward to last night's loss against the Toronto Raptors, and he checks himself out of the game. They're down about 10 points here in the fourth quarter, midway through. He never comes back. And you could see that he's hobbled. There's two ways you can see it. It's in his lift. He's not elevating. And then that step back, that stiff step back that he likes to shoot on that high left uh, elbow where he pushes off the right foot and gets back to it, I saw him do it a couple of times and he just didn't have his normal balance. So he's hurting. He, he's not lying, man. And, and I think it's clear that let's just say AD never was hurt and the Lakers were still atop the West. LeBron wouldn't be playing right now. Like he's been forced into action because, you know, the, the Lakers are sliding here. What if this is how it works for LeBron? Superman, King James, right? The most durable superstar we've ever seen. One chink in the armor and it all falls apart. Like, how crazy would that be, right? If, if it was a sprained ankle that was the beginning of the end for LeBron. And I'm not even saying that. I've, I've learned my lesson too many times. I'm just saying that, the, again, it's the timing of these injuries. And it's just a tough thing for him to do. Like, for instance, if you're Donovan Mitchell, you know, what is he, 24 years old? Oh, right, well, it's not our year. Bad luck. My ankle's bad. I'm going to shut it down, right? LeBron, how small is this window getting here? It, it's not as easy for him to shut this down and, and say, better luck next year. So I expect him to push through and play on it. It is an ankle, right? It's not a knee. Tape it up and you play. All of a sudden, it's become a very uphill climb for this Lakers team. AD's checking his ankle all the time, hitting the ground. I mean, shh. And then this morning, I hop on Twitter. I see Schroeder has entered COVID protocol for 14 days. Hey, could the Lakers miss the playoffs? Is that is that mathematically possible? I mean, shit is looking grim in la-la land, man. And that brings me to Kayul on Twitter. Hopefully I'm not butchering that handle. He asked me, Yo, Alk, now that the Lakers are in the seventh seed with a tough schedule, what do you think about a Warriors 7-8 matchup in the play? Now, my initial thought was they'll crush the Warriors, right? It's a terrible matchup. Vogel's defensive scheme blows up that Kerr motion offense and then their size Right. It, it would just be a terrible matchup on paper and it'd probably be a 20-point blowout. But in a one-off, in a play-in, we're not talking a series, in the play-in, in one game, small ball could win. Right. Like, how crazy is it to say, oh, Steph hit 10 threes and the Warriors beat the Lakers? That could happen, right? It, it could easily happen. And so again, in a full series, the Warriors, even against this Hobbles Lakers team, I don't give them much of a chance stylistically, we just don't have the size. Um, and and they're just so defensively sound when it comes to our motion offense. But in a one-game scenario, I mean, if the others, if Juan T's hitting corner threes doing his little town celebration and Steph's cooking, that could be a problem, man. And that would be, <laughs> Ooh, I ain't got to tell you how I'd feel about that one. Now, I did want to send prayers out to Tyrese Halliburton. Last night against the Mavericks, it looked like he broke in two at midcourt. I mean, it was it was ugly. And like I had said against the, the Lakers Friday night, man, because De'Aaron Fox, remember, has been in the health protocol for you know over a week now, and the keys have been handed to Halliburton by default. He's been playing so well, man. I've been watching more Kings because he's had the ball in his hands, to be honest with you, and he's played so good. I think that the Kings moving forward, it's a legit question. Who should have the ball in their hands? Fox is such a scorer. He's a bigger talent, but as far as decision making and setting the table, Halliburton—he was doing such a, such an amazing job—and he he went down at mid-court and it looked ugly, man. Hopefully, it's just a hyperextension of the knee, and sometimes stuff like that is more forgiving to a super lean player like Halliburton, right? A guy built like that sometimes they're a little more dexterous, and, and the ligaments are a little more forgiving. So hopefully, it's nothing too serious because. He was really showing that, I mean, he was, he was surpassing my expectations. I knew he was nice. I didn't know he was this nice. It just feels like we're going to get a freak ending to this season. It, it really does, just with the way guys are going in and out. Now, in that same game, the Kings, again, another team playing spoiler, Luka gets thrown out late and Dallas takes the L. Look, Luka Doncic is a brat. There's no doubt about it, right? And The problem is he's going to continue to be one because he's so good. Right, I, I just think that they're enabling him down in Dallas, Mark Cuban and them, and he picked up his fifteenth tee of the season as he was thrown out. I saw a tweet about how differently Luca is treated as opposed to a Demarcus Cousins or a Draymond Green, right? Because essentially it's the same thing. These these guys lead the league in tees; they get thrown out a lot. Why does Luca, you know, get treated differently? And I understand in today's times, everybody wants to call out inequalities and injustices and stuff like that. I get it. But to me, like, come on, let's, let's be honest here with it because Luca doesn't go crazy, right? Like Luca has controlled tantrums, like a little kid where when a Draymond or Boogie loses it, they, they have to be restrained. They're like making physical threats towards people and shit. So to me, in my eyes, it's a little bit different. That being said, yeah, Luca has a problem. Like he needs to chill. They someone needs to. It's kind of funny to watch it happen under Carlisle's watch, maybe the most old school coach in the league. But yeah, no, Luca's a whiny brat. It's annoying, and he does get away with a lot of shit. But there is a way that he goes about it where it's not nearly and you. And we can play the the race card because I, I, I know that's what the dude was indicating in the tweet. But I think it goes a little beyond that in the way he complains and whines and acts. It's not threatening. It's not. He he's not like putting his chest out and 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 stomping towards players and referees he kind of like turns to the crowd and turns to his teammates and he whines and he puts his hands up it's just a little bit different and so I think that's why that's part of it is there a a great white hype aspect to it is there a racial issue I'm not going to and I would be foolish to dismiss that but I don't think that that's all of it another big game Friday night a lot of this stuff happened Friday night Overtime against the Spurs in Boston, Jason Tatum hangs 60. But what I really liked about the performance was, out of the 37 shots he took, 10 of them were outside of the paint. Let me repeat that. Out of 37 shots, only 10 were outside of the paint. And hell, really it was eight. Two of them were at that high elbow where it was just outside of the paint. I'm looking at his shot chart. And he imposed his will physically. He used his size in today's age, you hang 60 and you only made five threes, right? That's relatively low. And again, he was in the paint all night long. And the Spurs team, who usually protects the rim pretty well with Jakob Pertl, but Tatum, he, they, you always hear about how he's sprouted to 6'10". And you can see his frame and his shoulders continue to get bigger in that you know extra medium jersey he's rocking. It's about time he started to use those physical gifts um, to make things easier on him and help his team win. And so it was a big win for Boston, getting that done, because they can, dude, what is with Boston starts? They just come out and get throttled, and then they're always having to climb back in games, but they got that one done against the Spurs, and they stay just one game behind Miami for the sixth seed. All right, Bucks Bucs-Nets, primetime Sunday afternoon. I thought everybody was going to sit, man, because you saw Giannis rolled his ankle the other night, and you know, you just never know, the way that these teams have been handling things all year, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if they would have played it conservative and just rest all the stars. But I guess primetime, ABC, ESPN maybe made the phone calls like, no, no, no. We need y'all to play some of these stars, right? And that's what we got, man. We got exactly what we wanted. Giannis versus Kevin Durant. It was special to watch. Yo, I like, <laughs> and I know the story is kind of Giannis making all those threes and those jumpers. Tell me why he leaves both hands up like Giannis you do realize you're supposed to just leave the shooting hand up I I got a kick out of that man um but you know big picture here I just I still think it's fool's gold man and I think that ultimately if we see a series here you are going to see Giannis get suckered in to trying to match threes with KD and this Nets team and that's a shootout that he can't win I'll tell you what, though, like if they're going to let him, who was it that was on Giannis? Uh, Was it Jeff Green or DeAndre Jordan? There was various defenders, Blake Griffin. If they're going to let him just walk up into that three, if you let him just walk up like he's in an open gym at his own pace and rhythm and pull those, then I don't know if you can do all of that. That might have been a mistake. I think they were almost testing that. Again, I just, I think it's still a bit of fool's gold for him. Now, what I did like to see from Giannis was, some more of those flip shots and touch that he's showing around the basket. Not that he didn't have any of that, but it's clear he's got more touch. He's got a little more in the bag in the paint. Saw him shoot a little floater and just showing, not dunking everything, right? You're seeing him acquire more touch in the paint. And I encourage him to stay in the paint. I'm not saying don't ever take a three, but it's fool's gold coming, marching down early in the shot clock into that pull-up three, man. I felt like Steve Nash was almost smirking watching it go down yesterday afternoon, as if like good, good. Because when we see you in the playoffs, you keep taking that. But a couple other thoughts. I think it's interesting how you know the the Bucks over the last few seasons have turned Lopez into a stretch big, but in this matchup, they'll actually need him to kind of play big offensively, right? Take advantage of his size. He did defensively. What do you have like five or six blocks yesterday? So he was a nice rim protector for them. I just think. At times, it'd be nice to go to the block and post him up. Not that he can't do it. That's what he did early in his career, but you know, that's kind of not his game anymore. For Brooklyn, I was impressed with Blake Griffin. He's giving them good minutes in that that drive and kick roll off the bench, right? He's got that that Ginobili like show and go. That's slow, but it, it works, right? And I'll tell you what, though, man, if you watch watch Blake Griffin when he hits the floor, because he gets real Grayson Allen-like down there. The difference is he's, he's just a little slicker about it. He's very good. Blake's very good at acting like things were an accident. Dove at Giannis' knees late in that game. I think Blake's low-key dirty on the ground. Watch him. He's always tripping and getting tangled up with people, and then he looks up, what do you mean? What did I do? Type of stuff. And so, you know, it, they let it fly yesterday, but I'll tell you what, if Blake's diving at Giannis's knees in a playoff series, I'm sending PJ in there to do what he do. Uh, you you can't allow that. I know this is a different era, but keep an eye on Blake, man. There are some unwritten rules that I think Blake is breaking. So late in the game, it was back and forth. Giannis, well, Giannis had 49. He, he was spectacular. And I think what you're seeing is right now in a vacuum individually, he is the superior player to Durant, and it's it's the physical aspect of it. He's so physically gifted in his prime, his motor, his endurance to attack all game is what gives him the edge, as opposed to Durant's skill. You have to shoot Durant a little bit of bail. How much basketball has he played? He did very well matching baskets with Giannis throughout this game and to the point where it's late, it's a close game. Holiday up three, minute and a half on the clock. He misses both free throws, which gave the Nets an opportunity. What was interesting was Durant really carried the load offensively throughout the game, but late in the game, he yielded to Kyrie. Did you notice that? He yielded to Kyrie, and I don't blame him, right? I've talked, we talked about it. Like Kyrie, you could argue, is the best closer in the game as far as clutch basket making. But yeah, the Bucks pull it out. I'm not going to draw too many conclusions from it. I just really hope that we get this series where everybody's healthy. There, there's just so many intriguing matchups. Drew Holiday, Kyrie Irving. Eventually. I'd love to see Giannis and KD have to guard each other. You saw P.J. Tucker with the assignment on KD for most of, the, most of the game. And I don't think P.J.'s as effective as he once was, say, like in a Rockets uniform, because I think Durant is more comfortable with the physicality now. They're friends. They know each other. There's just no in- intimidation there. And so at some point, you know, you'd love to see those two match up defensively, though I don't know if Durant physically could handle Giannis. He might just blow through him. Like The the size discrepancy has grown. Giannis has stayed in the weight room, and you know what type of tip KD and Kyrie are on. They're not lifting weights. I think it's very easy, though, if you're a Nets fan or just a casual fan to say, well, when the Nets have Harden, they win, right? I mean, they almost won, and they didn't even have Harden, but that's not necessarily how this works, right? Because whenever you add a player like that to the mix, there's always a give and take. And that's not to say that Harden doesn't have a massive triple-double, hit eight threes and they win, but it also can take away from, you know, like Landry Shamit. what do you have, like 17 points last night? You know, Blake Griffin played well, right? Sometimes when you add a different mix of chemistry, you don't get as much from other players. And then overall, it takes away from the performance. So that's not to say that Harden won't help them, But I just don't think you can play that type of basketball math and say, well, Harden's there and they're going to win easily. It doesn't work that way, especially when you have that much talent. Talk a little Warriors here and finish up. They now sit in the eighth seed after they beat the Rockets Saturday night. Everybody's hurt, man. Oubre now, torn ligaments in the wrist, fractured palm. You know he's going to try to play in this contract season, but at a certain point, that's his shooting wrist. So I don't know if Ubre's done for the year or not. They're just trickling out the information. If you've noticed, Wiggins is hobbled. I thought it was an ankle. They're saying today it's a knee. And I got to give Wiggins credit, man, because his toughness is underrated. I was, I was speaking about it in the breakdown. He had 20 in Houston. And yeah, he never gets up. He never explodes like people want him to pause. But he's never down either. He just goes out. He plays ball. And the thing is, a lot of people will play on a sore knee or a sore ankle, right? And they're like, well, I don't complain, I just go play. But every chance they get during the game visibly to let the audience know and the crowd know that they're hurt, they do it, right? They're always looking down at it. They're grimacing. They're going to the sidelines at the free throw lines. They're checking. None of that from Wiggins. He doesn't want to make a show or a spectacle of it. He doesn't even want you to know he's hurt and he's just going to go play ball. And so I really respect that aspect of his personality. But boy, Houston, man, collectively do they have the ugliest jumpers in the league Uh, right now who they're rolling out you got kenyon martin jr Uh, is it jay sean tate a couple other cats i never heard of right and kevin porter fresh off that 50 porter shots pretty right but it looks like it looks like he's shooting it in a mirror it looks like he's too concerned with how the shot looks rather than the result of it right it looked real pretty it looked like a 2k motion capture shot but i think he hangs a little bit too much but the Warriors got it done after an explosion from Steph in the third quarter, and now tonight starts this back-to-back against the Pelicans, which should be a little mini-playoff series. Now, for the Warriors, it's very simple. You split the back-to-backs, and no ground is made. Obviously, for the Pelicans, this is it. It's now or never, and the scary thing is their ceiling. The hype is Draymond meeting Zion for the first time, so you know we'll have a full breakdown of that on the Patron and uh, talk about that one tomorrow. This is the Hesit. Brought to you by BasketballGods.net. I'm out, chill.